May 29, 2021, it's Watt from Pedro's show.
Spot for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday, last Saturday of May. Time, almost time for Blue Oyster Cult song, Last Days of May. I, to, I shouldn't wait for the last days. Yeah, but, but Monday. Uh, anyway, we started with Sweet Sapphire Blues, John Coltrane. And then David First with E2, number three. And, uh, yeah, Brother Matt, at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple miles south of here. It's quitting quarantine mode still. But I'm not totally man alone because of those genius software engineers in Estonia with the Scrab Invention. I got David first. How are you doing, David? Uh, I'm doing uh, great. Yeah, okay. great. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Where are you talking to me from? Uh, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, New York, okay. USA. Great neighborhood. Uh, your earliest musical recollection, please. My earliest musical recollection... Um, and I'm not even sure why is an old folk song that was actually a hit on the radio, and that's where I heard it. Um, hang on, hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Do you know that song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kingston Trio. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why that hit me, but uh, that's. I mean, I, without even having to think about it, that's what comes to mind. Yeah, and remember, um, David, it's the Watford Peter show, so there's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers. <laughs> um, it's like a murder ballad about somebody being stabbed yeah. and hanging. So I don't know that that had quite an effect on me somehow. <laughs> you wouldn't say scarred, <laughs> branded upon the brain. Uh, wow. Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> I got asked to narrate that movie, the Canadian guy, uh, guy Madden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? Um, well, yes and no. Not in my actual nuclear family house, but both my grandmothers, who I guess was where I got most of my um, um, influences, um, musical influences, they were both, um, one was a singer, and she had a piano in her house, and my other grandmother just played piano by ear. And uh, neither of my parents are musicians at all, although my father was a big influence because I got a lot of, he was an electrical engineer and I got a lot of information out of him. But as far as actual musical, um, whatever got passed down, it skipped a generation, I suppose. Well, those pianos, now you would visit over there, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we were over there a lot, when okay. I was, especially when I was young. Yeah. Did you jump on the pianos? <laughs> you know, not I don't think I did. I don't think I did. The one oh, thing wow. I did, the, the one thing I did take advantage of, uh, was one my my singing grandmother always uh, had tape recorders, which was you know kind of an exotic thing back in those days. You know, I'm talking about like uh, late fifties, I guess. You know. Um, and uh, those I would play around with. And my father would show me like little tricks about like how to make, you know, your voice slow down and speed up and and like, you know, uh, run a tape backwards. So little things like that had a bigger influence on me probably than the, than the baby grand she had in the same room. Okay. Uh, reel to reel because no cassette yet. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. 
yeah. Look, you know, uh, it's all device, right? And you repurpose. You can make anything musical, I think. Maybe that's just a theory. But uh, what about school? Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? I was in the All Philadelphia Boys Choir as as a, as a young boy. Um, never did anything too auspicious with it. Just sang as part of like you know, two hundred other kids. I think what I liked about it most was we got out of school to do it. So we, it was kind of like you'd get like kind of special treatment. You would get to leave school, go to these rehearsals. Um, so I don't really remember having much of a, you know, any musical epiphanies that came out of it. Well, some schools got rid of their fucking programs, so so that's why I always ask about it. Some people, you know, like church and stuff, temple, that's where they learn how to sing rock and roll. You know, so everybody's got their own journey. That's why I ask these kind of generic things. Ah, it's, it's I see. Yeah. What about the first record you bought for yourself, David? Your own money. Um, Ronnie by the Four Seasons, uh, the 45. Right, um, those days probably drugstore, right? That I could not tell you. Well, I mean, I, I know I know I went to a lot of department stores back in those days, but I don't recall where I actually purchased it. I remember so. my first 45, like thrifty, I think was what they were used to be called. They're called a uh, Rite Aid now, I think. But uh, yeah, there, there wasn't really full-on record stores yet. Huh. Yeah, when I was a boy, when I first came to California. That's what I huh. remember. And uh, I, I know that the tower thing in Sacktown was like in the back of a drugstore. Started this guy, his father. Uh, what about the first gig you went and saw? First gig? Um, I saw, well, there, I'll have two answers for that. The first, first show I remember seeing was, uh, was at Steel Pier in Atlantic City. I went with my mom to see Herman's Hermits. Um, the first show I went to with a friend of mine, like, you know, a couple years later, um, on my own was, uh, the doors and, and the Naz in Philadelphia, both uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 And Naz was, uh, Todd, Todd Rundgren's. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, I didn't find this out until many, many years later and actually recently, but that was their debut performance. Wow. I was thinking of the nice. That was Keith Everson. So no, no, no. yeah, yeah, of course, much different. <laughs> no, not much different. They just both start with that. Uh, how'd you get on the guitar? Well, I'm not sure exact. I mean, I am sure, but I don't remember the day or the actual period. It didn't occur to me until years later. I started playing, you know, with about a, a billion other. Uh, kids in 1964, which was, you know, as we all know, a big breakthrough year in rock and roll. And uh, but I mean, I remember being into music before that, but it never occurred to me um, to to play music. I mean, that was kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was I went back recently and I was listening to music from what I consider like the first era that really grabbed me musically, which was like before night, like the earlier sixties. And it's quite a magical time, you know, when you, when you're listening to music and you have no idea what's going on at all and you're just listening because you love it, you know, 
and it becomes a little more complicated once you start playing it. Um, um, but I would say I started, I, I definitely started, uh, actually I know, it was like in the fall of 1964. Um, but I don't remember consciously saying, hey, I want to start. It occurred to me years later, oh, I guess that was why I started. Because I saw all these people playing guitars on TV and, you know, you started realizing, I started realizing more what was going on on a record before that. Like who, who, you know, when I was like nine years old, I just listened to music. I didn't hear, oh, there's the guitar. Oh, there's the bass. Oh, there's the, <laughs> well, I don't even know if we heard any bass players until, you know, we could actually hear them on the radio, on, on, on our stereos actually, but. But you know what I mean? You didn't James pick Jamerson. out. I didn't. I don't remember picking out instruments. James Jamerson on those Motown songs. He's the yeah. cat. He is the man. We all us on bass owe that cat so much. I want to play uh, Lamentations for the Kill. Okay. <laughs>
best bet, tuna net. Get what you get. What you get is wet.
Huh? <laughs> 
from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with David First, Lamentations for the Killed. Then Bombas Prendon with the Time Machine at H.G. Wells, the opera. Yeah, that's uh, some title. Uh, tune in that after that. SLWCC Watt Project out with Sam Lock Ward now with City. Sam Pedro Connection. Mike Cooper and Elliot Sharp. There's uh, two guitar men right there. Variable vacuum voices. Bob Bucko after that with Public Health Bomb. Dubuque, Iowa. And No Killers. Airport. Okay. How did you get your first guitar? It was a loner from an aunt. Um, it was like, I don't even remember. It was like some off-brand and it was a round hall acoustic. And uh, <laughs> speaking of tape recorders, I remember my father made me my so-called first electric guitar by sticking the microphone from the tape recorder <laughs> into the into the hall of the acoustic guitar. And then I would use the, uh, the a tape recorder as as the amplifier. Um, my first, my, the first guitar that was all mine was a silver tone F hole guitar, also an acoustic. Um, silver tone, uh, Dan Electro. Yeah. yeah. Made by, uh, made for Sears. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if you're of that era, but I remember like, you know, staring at that Sears catalog and just, you know, just coveting all those guitars in there. Yeah, I think uh, Montgomery Ward was airline uh, national. Uh, kind of, well, the uh, Dan Electro's were Masonite. No, those guys, some of them were plastic, trippy. What about lessons? Lessons? I took some lessons when I was 11 at uh, my local, that's how I started out. Uh, my local, you know, music store had a, you know, few little closets in the back where people would give lessons, private lessons. I did that for a while. Uh, stopped for a while. Then I started again later on, a couple, maybe a year or so later, with um, a very cool guy who taught me a lot of things that I still use to this day. You know, like he, he was the first person that, you know, told me about, um, you know, Bob Dylan, uh, you know, Different different blues artists taught me to drop D, you know, the, the which is was I, if there's ever been a game changer in my personal life on guitar, it's been learning drop D. Um, uh, some finger picking things. He was a folky, you know, um, but uh, that's I learned a lot from him, Marty Jaffe. Yeah, that's great. You acknowledge him. There's no a greater gift than the gift of music, you know, enlightening somebody like that. Uh, now, I'm not saying after school, like graduation, but in the afternoon, did you do the garage band, basement band, bedroom band? Sure. But I would say it was more of a weekend thing, like an all weekend thing, like from Friday night till Sunday night. I don't recall too often doing, you know, like 
maybe we got together in the afternoons, but unlike, you know, on school nights, you know, that was kind of verboten. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I lived for the weekends, my pals and all the people who hung around with us yeah. and we would just do that all weekend. Now, uh, did you, like me and D Boone, we copy songs off records, but I've had people on the show, they, they were doing original material. What were you doing? I think when we first started, when we very first started, um, we were doing like covers of Yardbirds, uh, uh, Cream, people like that. Um, some some more um, official blues, but I very quickly got into that high th- that thing of you know writing songs. Can you remember um, the first song you I wrote? Was, sorry. Can you remember the first song you wrote? It was called The Last Judgment. It was a heavy one. (laughs) (laughs) And you were a teenager, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are heavy years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was actually it was all about how it was all about betrayal, like friends betraying me and things like that. You know, it's just really that's how I got out. You know, a lot of that um, morose aggression. Yeah, mine was. uh... I didn't write anything till the movement, really, but I did write one called Mr. Bass, King of Outer Space. It was basically about doing a bass solo and blowing the rest of the band off the stage. Yeah, I obviously had issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was such a hierarchy in those days with bass guitar, you know, like no one wanted to do it. But I am very grateful for Dee Boone's Ma putting me on the bass. It was the best, 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 best. But I remember, yeah, the hierarchy of things. Uh, so uh, this band, do you have a name? Uh, yes, Dead Cheese. Dead Cheese. Now, was it just a practice band or did you guys ever do gigs? No, we played out. Um, do you remember the first I gig? Mean, well, other than like maybe like playing for like family things like that um our first official show in other words leaving our neighborhood was yeah it was actually at a a, it was a place called neighborhood center um like a youth kind of gathering place and they had a club there in the basement for kids called the yellow submarine (laughs) and uh that would have been 69 maybe i don't think it was 68 it was probably 69 1969 and uh, was it a success they throw shit i mean what happened oh uh yeah we got invited back okay okay <laughs> because i've had lots of shit thrown at me and i'm always curious about that especially no, first, that, that came game. later that came later <laughs> yeah batteries they hurt <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> but, uh, so, the, the Yellow Submarine with Dead Cheese. Yes. Yeah. And, and by, uh, playing in front of people, you guys are doing original material. Uh, pretty much all original material at that point, yes. Wow. Some, some, some blues, tradi- some traditional blues. Um, well, but... I asked because, you know, I, I'm 13 in 1970, so my teenage years of all the 70s and no one in Pedro where I live here wrote their own songs zero 
till the movement. I, I met people up in Hollywood. Right. It was just, well, just, to, and I think, you know, I did 125 months with the Stooges, so I learned stuff about 60s music. And there was a lot of those things going on, like clubs, little labels, garage bands. I think it was just my period, uh, arena rock. Huh. Yeah. So I'm always curious. And that, that's interesting. And what happened to Dead Cheese? Oh, people graduated high school, you know, moved away to go to school. Um, Dead Cheese um, included two of the people that ended up being no killers like a few years later when people came back from school. So, so actually no killers, the, the, the two, um, people in no killers, actually, we go back even a lot further than that. So uh, uh, like dead cheese evolved kind of into no killers. Well, there was like uh, five or six, five, six years in between. But yeah, I mean, we all evolved as humans and came <laughs> back together and, uh, and some brought, brought, brought new influences and new approaches to instruments and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the laughs we share go back even before we played instruments. I know I've known Barry, the drummer since we were eight years old and uh steven you know a couple years after that <laughs> so, Look, so david i know exactly what you mean man I, you know i got into music to be with d boone it was yep. you're, you're right it's like another it's a way to share but it's the friendship is really important yeah we're at yeah. the end of the first hour may 29 2021 edition Wap Pedro Show special guest David First. Hold tight for hour two. May 29, 2021. It's the second hour of the Wap Pedro Show.
There's a hope. There's a sensitive man who knows that you should believe me now. My eczema pride means I'll stay inside with this world to frown. Recycling to me is my great charity. There's my salad cries out. How that we see your disparity comes with stereo sound. Very moans with all the channels I own. And all my dreams are on loan. What if I close my mouth? This IBS disease of male profundity makes my shower turn brown. And then my soap, realized and broke, as the tables turn round. How about you need a little more currency for the stereo sound? channels I own, and all the dreams are on loan, and I knew right away, I love the stereo sound, and I knew right today, I was lost but now found, and I knew Yeah.
Walk for Pedro Show start off the second hour with no killers doing brain dance explosion. Albert DeMuth, a charitable man after that. Hansone Potker. Potker. Sorry. Uh, reasonably so. Luca Sabella with W is for warts. And finally, the note killer with zipper. The zipper. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the note killers. David, please. Okay. What do you want to know? <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, well, like, everything. Well, I know a little bit already. They come from dead cheese. They actually go, uh, come before yes. dead cheese. <laughs> but uh, like you said, you guys played music together, then went apart, then came back, and you make this band the Note Killers. Right. Like, why did you change your name? Why didn't you use dead cheese again? Ah, uh, well, um, uh, well, it was it, that wasn't even a consideration, really. It was it was a whole new venture, a whole new era. I had been through a lot of things in between. I mean, we all have, but I had been particularly through a bunch of musical things. And uh, it wasn't like anybody was going to remember us and, you know, uh, and like, you know, <laughs> be glad we got back together. So it didn't really ever occur to us to do anything except a totally new venture. Um, so that's the answer to that. Okay, what's the uh, first note, kill, uh, note killer gig? Huh. Um, we did like a, a, a sort of a yeah, coming out party uh, in October of 1977. And actually, at that point, it was just Barry and me. We didn't even have a bass player at that point. It was just the two of us. Um, and we played a bunch of the songs that I had come up with. Um, you know, when I hear about that, I always think of that poor, lonely kick drum. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why we didn't have a bass player at that point. Um, I don't think that was our sole intention. We, I think the idea was, let's see where this goes and then we'll add a bass player. It was always, I think the intention to add one. The first show we did with, as a trio, uh, boy, I'm sure it was in Philadelphia. It might have been at the at the uh, uh, grand opening of of a friend's store um, at a place called Grendel's Lair in Philadelphia. But you know, I, you really got me with that one, and I'm I'm usually pretty good with remembering. <laughs> important uh significant dates in history oh well, but I, that happened don't worry shit, i'll man. get back to you on that <laughs> oh, play the consummation of right and wrong scene 14 <laughs>
from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with the Western Hemisphere. Consummation of right and wrong, scene 14. Then from, and the, uh, the correct pronunciation, too. Thanks. Did I? Whoa. whoa. <laughs> Let me break my arm, pat myself on the back. Because <laughs> I usually fuck up people's language, uh, languages and names. And stair kits from the new, No Wave days. Live. Larchmont. Psychic hotline, brand new luxury spray from Giovanni Aldopio Gin, uh, Morgan Delt with obstacle eyes and consummation, right and wrong scene five from the Western Hemisphere. So you said there was stuff in between musical. Yeah. Well, and no um, killers. And, it was. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm curious. Oh, well, um, after high school and, you know, everything broke up and, you know, the whole everybody in our crowd, we had a huge we started out as a bunch of like, you know, kind of uh, uh, the there was a small group of us that, you know, kind of didn't fit in anywhere, kind of misfits in that way. And um, by the end of high school, though, we had a whole huge crowd of people that, you know, we attracted through just being in a band and having an interesting scene and doing a lot of crazy, having crazy adventures, you know, outside of the band even. Um, um, but then when high school ended, you know, everybody went their separate ways. And I just like, well, what am I going to do with my life now? And. I just I had started getting into some other musics even towards the end of high school. Um, you know, I kind of got burned out on a lot of the bands I loved and a lot of the bands I loved burned out and or 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 passed away, you know, and things like that. And I started getting into I was really into psychedelic music, you know. That that just killed me, you know. That whole era um uh, uh and I looked for my psychedelic music elsewhere because it seemed like nobody was really doing it in rock and roll anymore. And I started getting into, you know, free jazz. You know, I started uh, exploring John Coltrane and, and some of Miles Davis's stuff and, you know, all of the, you know, heroes of that particular genre. And I got really immersed in that and just totally only listened to it for a few years. And uh, ended up playing in some fairly interesting situations. I I uh, um, took a course that Cecil Taylor was giving in Glassboro, New Jersey, that led to him asking me to join an ensemble he put together in New York to play a concert at Carnegie Hall. This was a couple years after high school. This was like 1973, 74. I started studying guitar seriously for the first time um, with a person who you possibly never heard of named Dennis Sandoli, who was one of John Coltrane's mentors. You know, I know he made a record with the guitar man, Kenny Burrell. And I saw actually Kenny Burrell play here in Pedro. Dezo's daddy booked it, Ozzy Cadena. And, uh, but I... Yeah, he didn't play a lot with guitar, but I, I supposedly uh, Eight Miles High, right? Is the the guitar solo 
and and Robbie Krieger with the Doors too, maybe. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so guitar and John Coltrane. Oh yeah, well you know it's kind of interesting. I mean, I was never really that into jazz guitar per se. I mean, I always found the the trumpeters and the sax players and the pianists and the drummers were all doing more interesting and innovative um, things than. For the most part, the guitarists were sort of really great. You know, they were well beyond anything, you know, uh, your typical rock and roll guitarist could do. But I was more attracted to those other instruments. On the other hand, I was a guitarist, so I wasn't going to all of a sudden start playing saxophone or piano. So I just took the guitar and said, let's see what I can do with this. And... um, I don't really feel like I ever became a jazz guitarist per se. I I feel like I had to, would have had to gone deeper backwards. <laughs> you know, you, I always felt like I got in the side door by playing free jazz on guitar. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the was the feeling I always got. I was able to jump on there, but to call myself a jazz guitarist, I mean, I learned a lot of the chords and I learned the theory and I loved all that. And I ended up using it all of it in the note killers. But um, so that was part of what I had done in between. And then I got into analog synth for a while. I took a course at Princeton University that led to me exploring that whole um, realm. And but at some point, you know, I had totally given up on the idea of songs or like song structures, you know. Um, and I was totally into like, you know, long, free, noisy, you know, that whole, <laughs> I don't know if that's a genre, but <laughs> long, free and noisy. But uh, that's what I was into for a few years. Well, and then I discovered reggae. Okay. You know, and that yeah. was the first thing that got me thinking, oh, wow, there's, there's something you can still do with songs that has some meaning and some intensity and some vibe and some, you know. Sure, sure. I saw Family Man Barrett uh, with Bob Marley. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, me too. Me at a too. basketball uh, UCLA Poly Pavilion. We're at the end of the second hour, May 29, 2021, Dish Wap Pedro Show. Special guest David First. Hold tight for our three. May 29th, 2021. It's the third hour of Watts the Pete Rose Show.
fantasies in my fantasies, baby. Run away fast pace, fat ass fantasy. Fantasies in your fantasies, baby. Run away first place, full face fantasy. Fantasies. Fantasies. Let me break up.
Hot for Pedro show. Start off the third hour with AM radio band, flat core, Petrified Max. That's Vetus from uh, the last. He's got his own band, uh, Petrified Max. It's the second record. Basic. It's tune. Lewis Cole after that, Freaky Times. And then the World Casio Quartet, Strange Over. When you were doing the synthesizer, was that tied to a keyboard? Well, yes and no. It was not. I mean, this is, I was very lucky. And I didn't even realize how lucky I was at the time, I don't think. But the, this was a Buchla system. And I'm not sure if you know anything about the Buchlas. But they use these metal touch plates, touch-sensitive uh, touch, touch plates that um, it looked looked nothing like a keyboard and acted nothing like a keyboard. You just use your fingers to trigger anything that you had patched up in your system. But not being a keyboardist and honestly not really being into, I mean, this was mid-70s, 76, 77, right before the No-Killers. Um, I was not into like what what was going on with synthesizers for the most part. It was it was uh, in 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 the commercial realm. Let's say it was all like these jazz fusion players or prog rock <laughs> players, and yeah, you know terrible. it was all like you know how fast could you play this weird sounding organ? Yeah, you or, know? or fake strings or fake horns. Yeah, and and that didn't appeal to me at all. Although I liked more of the academic, you know, older, let's say, uh, electronic music that you know, Karl Heinz Stockhausen yeah, and yeah. people like that had done. So I was attracted to the sound, but um, and I wanted to learn more about it. But uh, luckily, the Buchla did not have a keyboard. I mean, Don, do you know anything about like the difference between Don Buchla and Robert Moog? I mean, they both sort of came up along around the same time. It's a very interesting book about it. Um, um, the name is escaping me, but that's easy enough to find. You know, there were some electronic music people that were anti-synthesizer, like uh, Delia Darbyshire. Oh, sure, 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 sure. She thought it should be all tape, cutting tape, right? <laughs> Going around well, doorknobs and shit like that. <laughs> It's just interesting. To me, music is music, and I love all the ways it can, uh, you know, like nature, right? It'll find a way to be. Sure, sure. And that was Don Buchla's uh, grand scheme, was that he wanted to encourage, maybe even force people to think outside the box. So he didn't want to hook it up to um, a piano-type yeah, keyboard yeah. the way Robert Moog, who was always looking for more... Um, I don't want to say commercial, but more um, practical <laughs> applications of synthesis. Um, whereas Robert Moog was like, you know, hanging out with the dead and um, taking LSD and, you know, just like part of Kesey's acid trip festivals. And, you know, so he was just like really he, he had, you know, the brain and the interest in creating a synthesizer system that could be, you know, mass produced in a certain way, you know, but at the same time, he didn't want to do anything that would encourage um, piano playing on it. <laughs> and that's what I ended up, you know, my first introduction to electronic music was that. 
so or at least official electronic music in a studio you know like such as such as they had there i want to play uh echoes of god opening up
Oh, 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 oh,
Pedro Show. I was lucky when I was a teenager that Carl Stone had a radio show here on KPFK. Pacific oh, wow. Station. I think well, you guys have WBAI. Uh, well, I wasn't in New York in those days, but uh, there was there was like some college radio in Philadelphia that would play some more out there things. Well, I'm, I'm trying to give you a reference. Uh, so he's in Tokyo now, but he would play uh, all kinds of wild stuff. You know, you, like you were saying, uh, uh, Carl Heinz Stockhausen and uh, Mark Spotnik and uh, all, sure. all, all that trippy Hat hoot, Deutsche Grammophon, <laughs> you know, these, these labels. And uh, it was trippy. What is sound? What is music? You know, it, it made me really get ready for when the mo- movement came to get rid of all my prejudices and get free of that genre shit. It was such a albatross around my neck. What, what's your current music thing right now, David? What am I working on? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, Okay. Uh, well, interestingly enough, um, to me and maybe to some others (laughs) is, um, you know, uh, this whole pandemic thing has been a real (laughs) pain in everybody's, but, um, but, uh, right before that, I actually reconvened the note killers to play, to take part in this, um, two day event in Philadelphia that was sort of a celebration of my music like the Western Hemisphere played. I had some pieces I wrote for an ensemble, for a percussion ensemble and a pianist that were played, things like such as that. And it was in Philadelphia, which is where we're from and where these guys still are. So I decided I would get them together and we would do something, which we hadn't done for a couple of years. Um, Then we thought we would do more. And then, of course, everything fell apart for everybody. But uh, I played very little guitar in the past year. A um, couple of the things I did, a couple of the projects I did didn't include guitar. So I started, you know, getting back into guitar because I, I asked those guys if they wanted to get together um, in June just to, you know, have a little celebratory jam that we made it. <laughs> um, and I started practicing guitar at night, just purposely for the first time in, in a, a long time. And a bunch of new Note Killer songs came out, um, which surprised me. And so I'd say that's the most recent thing, is that I actually have a whole bunch of new material to go down to Philadelphia with that we're going to work on and hopefully uh, come out with a new album. And where can people find you on the internet? Well, uh, I guess the best place is probably Bandcamp. You know, I mean, is there a David First website? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily keep that as up to date as you know, as far as music goes, as the Bandcamp site. But yeah, DavidFirst dot com. Sure. Well, there's probably a, a link. David First, D A V I D F I R S T dot com. It's probably That's a link right. to the Bandcamp page there, right? There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also a NoKillers dot com for that matter. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could get people to get all sleuthy, but why not make it obvious? <laughs> they can find <laughs> your stuff. Your, your music's <laughs> very interesting. This stuff you gave me, I love, man. It's a big honor to have you aboard. And uh, picking up music again with your old buddies 
that's that that's such a great thing yeah 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 i i uh i i it's a it was a gift when we got back together in the early 2000s and we were really going hot and heavy i would go down there like a couple days a week and you know, I never lost touch with Barry. Um, Stephen, I hadn't talked to for a few, for a bunch of years, actually. And I'm using the same guitar that I've had since I was 15. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm holding that guitar and I'm looking out from it, from behind it and looking at these two guys. And like, you know, I have photos of us when we were 14 doing the same thing. And, you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, but, uh, but it's beautiful, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fucking very, very happening. But, you know, I, I wrote this song where I, I'm kind of mocking taking music for granted. One of the lines is, playing it, play it. Because it is such a fucking blessing to get to do shit, especially with old buddies. Yep. Yeah. And... uh Interesting. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of duality with life and man alone and then man in uh, part of an ensemble and that kind of stuff. But it's about, about taking turns, I think. That's what I've learned. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about you. Uh, so, so you say new album because you got the well, new batch of songs. I hopefully I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. There's not a new album. Yeah, I mean, that's would be my plan at this point. I mean, I don't want to do things. I mean, documenting things is pretty important at this point. Anything I do, I want to make sure it gets out there in some form. I mean, if that, if we didn't document our first single, you know, if we didn't get that first single out, we wouldn't have gotten together again in the early two thousands, you know, because we got rediscovered at that point. And the Buchla stuff got rediscovered and was put out recently. So, you know, those things would have been lost forever. And I can think about other things that are lost forever because I didn't get the document. Didn't document, so. right. We, look, we used to think records were just fucking flyers for the gigs. <laughs> now, I, I totally agree with you. They are documents. Thanks so much for being on the show. People, it's been May 29, 2021. Dishwap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.